0: For those of you who don't know me my name is uh, Ken Thompson I'm an elder here um, at Dale. and Rory um, asked me to give the message today because he is definitely under the weather so so that's what we'll do we'll we'll bring the message we've been we've been working through Genesis as you know when i've uh, when I've preached we've we've been working through the first um, so far, the first five chapters, and now we come to six and seven, and so we'll just continue in Genesis. And um, again, preaching through Genesis as it is written is very hard today, because Genesis is diametrically opposed to what the world teaches. It's diametrically opposed to the teaching of evolution. And unfortunately, evolution is what most people believe today, but it does not line up with scripture, and what we preach is the word of God, and evolution is an assault on God. God created this world. He did not create theistic evolution. He created in six days, and that's what we preach so as we, come to, as we come to the flood, it is important that we preach the word as it is written, not what we think people want to hear. That The Bible needs to be preached as it is written, and that's what we do. Today, if you say you believe in the biblical version of Noah and the flood, you will be ridiculed. In fact, you will be seen as a fool because that is not what the world believes. The world does not believe in, in, in a flood. They do not believe in, in Noah. But that's what the Bible says, so that's what we proclaim to you today. It's funny how the world does not believe this, even though the writers... Of scripture did believe in a literal flood and a literal Noah, including Christ. They believed in a historical Noah and, and the flood. Noah is listed in the genealogy of Christ. And in Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 1:4, he's listed in the genealogy. And in Luke 3:36, he's listed in the genealogy of Christ. Today, we will see that the record of Noah and that the flood is historically sound and actually fits the evidence better than the theory of evolution. This is not being taught today. All we hear is one side of the story. But we need to look today at the other side of the story. We'll look at the flood in the next two messages First we're going to look at the flood itself and then we'll look at why the flood and how the ark is a picture of Christ and about the warnings that are given for today's world. So today we begin with the ark itself. It's not that we're going to be able to convince anybody of anything but we can show you that this is not A fairy tale. This is actually, this this historically happened. And and we're going to look at some of the evidence today. So we'll look at first, we'll look at the ark itself. Then we'll look at the animals on the ark. Then we'll look at the fossil record left behind and see if it matches up with the biblical view or with man's view. So first, look at the let's look at the ark. This was a. It, it says here, and, and he gave the, di- the dimensions in, in 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 six. It's it was to be built three hundred cubits by fifty cubits wide. By thirty cubits high. Now, standard cubit. In those days, was eighteen inches. So that would be 450 feet long, 75 feet high, and 45 feet, sorry, sorry 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Um, many people believe that they're using uh, another type of cubit that was used in those days. It's called a royal cubit. But typically I find in scripture when they use that cubit, they actually state that's the cubit they're using. So, But if... Many people believe that they used a royal cubit, so you'd add about 10% to this. It's, it's not that important. It's the proportions that are important, and we'll see that as we look into the arc. Um, these dimensions are very interesting regarding stability. And one article in Answers in Genesis quotes Dr. Shion Hong, of um of the um, of an institute in South Korea and here's what here's what it says Noah's Ark was a focus of a major 1993 scientific study headed by Dr. Sion Hong at the World Class Ship Research Center in Kriso Cr- uh, based in Daejeon, South Korea. Dr. Hong's team compared 12 hulls of different proportions To discover which design was most practical, no hull shape was found to significantly outperform the 4,300-year-old biblical design. In fact, the ark's careful balance is easy lost if the proportions are modified, rendering the vessel either unstable, prone to fracture, or dangerously uncomfortable. The research team found that the proportions of Noah's ark carefully balanced the conflicting demands of stability, resistance to capsizing, comfort, sea keeping, and strength. The fact that the Ark has the same proportions, in fact, the Ark has the same proportions as a modern cargo ship. The study also confirmed that the Ark could handle waves as high as 100 feet. Dr. Hong is now Director General of the facility and claims life came from the sea, Obviously not the words of a creationist on a mission to promote a worldwide flood. Endorsing the seaworthiness of Noah's Ark obviously did not damage Dr. Hong's credibility. And there's another test done on on the dimensions of the Ark, and it's from the Smithsonian Magazine. They go on in the first part to say how how the Bible really cannot be believed. It's just written by man, but... But there is one point here, and they begin here. However, the Bible is clear on one thing Noah got specific instructions for the ark's dimensions 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. And material, gopher wood. Gopher wood, maybe pine, cedar, or cypress wood. So if one could hypothetically build an ark to the specifications outlined in the Bible and actually cram Two of every species on the boat, would it float? Or would Noah have found himself in a Titanic-like scenario? That's what four graduate students at the University, University of Leicester wondered, as a special course that encourages the students to apply basic physics principles to a more general questions. The team did the math and they found that the arc full of animals of those dimensions could theory Theoretically fit. They recently published their research in a peer-reviewed journal. You don't think the Bible necessary. You don't think of the Bible necessarily as a scientifically accurate source of information. So I guess we were quite surprised when we discovered that it would work," said Thomas Morris, one of the students who worked on the project in a statement. So again, we see here even from secular sources they look at this 4,300-year-old design and they cannot improve on it today. So that, so when people tell you the Bible is just a fairy tale and that these things are just silly stories, look a little deeper because this actually would work exactly the way God said and the way it did work the way God said so they they they're surprised at the accuracy of the bible and it's it would be nice if they would look deeper and look for other parts of the bible where it may be accurate as well so next we come to the animals on the ark genesis 616 says that it had three decks. If it was 450 feet by 75 feet and it had three decks, that means it's got over 100,000 square feet of space. Most commentators calculate that about 120,000 sheep would have fit in the ark, which is about the average size of all the animals on earth today. Most animals are no bigger than a sheep. There are bigger animals. Of course there are bigger animals. But but even, even the bigger animals, you would not have brought the adult version. You would have brought a juvenile on. Uh, and I'll read, I'm going to just read a quote from Dr. Henry Morris in the Genesis Record about, um, about whether it's possible for animals to go onto this ark. He says, most most land animals are small, of course. So this did not by any means represent an impossible task. Authorities on biblical taxonomy estimate there are less than 18,000 species of animals, birds, reptiles, and amphibians living in the world today. The number might be doubled to allow for known extinct land animals. That is those known from the fossil record, not the imaginary transitional forms that never existed except in the minds of the evolutionists. Allowing then two of every species would be about 75,000 animals in the ark. Say 75,000 to allow for the extra animals of each clean species. As we have already seen, the ark would have carried as many as 125,000 sheep. Since the average size of a land animal is less than the size of a sheep, this would have taken up 60% of the ark. All the animals, two by two, on earth, would have taken 60% of the capacity of the ark. And, of course, the rest of it would have been taken up by, by food and for lodging. But when, when people tell you that it's, it's just a silly story it's actually, when you look at it, it's not that silly. It's it's quite feasible that this could have happened. It says in Genesis 6, 21 and 22 that food was stored in the remaining places, which agrees with, with what would be. It was, there was plenty of room for food. It was 150 days that were on the ark. That's how long the waters prevailed. That's a long time with that many animals. So it would have took a lot of food. Um, it also said, how did, I, how did Noah get all the animals on the ark? And it gives us the answer in Genesis 620. The animals came into Noah to keep them alive. And in Genesis 7.15, we read it. And they came in with Noah. So this was not disorder. This was not confusion. we people chasing animals around trying to get them onto the ark. God brought them onto the ark. They came into the ark two by two with Noah. And they came in to Noah. So this is God in his sovereignty bringing the animals to Noah to keep them alive. And again, we just have to believe is, is, it, is what God said the truth or do we believe what man said? So here it is. Just simply read the Bible. It also said that God shut the door. That would be in Genesis seven sixteen. The Lord shut him in. Noah did not shut the door. The Lord shut the door. And we're going to see in the next sermon the importance of that. There was one door into the ark. There was no other door. And the ark probably sat there for a 100 years being built. And it said that Jesus proclaimed, and it said also that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. There was preaching at this time to the earth. To come into the ark. And it's very much a parallel today. There's preaching today. Jesus said in John 10, I am the door. There's only one door to the ark. And there's only one door to salvation. And that's through Jesus Christ. And it's a parallel picture of what happened on the ark. And we're going to look more into that next week. So now we come to the record Of the flood left behind. The record in the rocks, the record in the fossils. Uh, Evolutionists teach uniformitarianism or gradualism, in which, over millions and millions of years, layers build up upon layers and each other and create the fossil and the fossils and the layer of rocks we see. Millions of years where things are laid down uniformly. Nothing has changed. Everything's been the same for millions of years. And that's the story that we see in the textbooks. That's the story we see in the science books. The problem is, is that that's not what the rocks show. The rocks show. Uh, the rocks don't show gradualism. They show rapid, violent sedimentation laid down by water, and this is called catastrophism, or cataclysm. That's what the Bible teaches, and we'll see that in a second. But, but this this laid down by water. Uh, Ken Ham from Answers in Genesis, I think, says it the best. He said if there was a worldwide flood, what would we expect to see? Billions of dead things buried in rock layers laid down by water all over the earth. And what do we see? Billions of dead things buried in rock layers laid down by water all over the earth. And I I couldn't, how do you say it better? In 2 Peter 2, 4 to 4 and 5, we see that what what Peter used the word to call this. And if we start in 2 Peter 2, 4, it says, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. And the word for flood here is actually the Greek word kataklysmos, which is where we get our word cataclysm. So this, this is a cataclysm. This word only appears two other times in the New Testament, and both times in Matthew 24, 38, and in Luke 17, 27. It's both in regards to the flood. Another interesting thing is it's um, in the Septuagint, which is the ancient translation of um, of the Hebrew text into Greek. The, they use the word instead of flood, they use the word cataclysmos. So this this was a this was a cataclysmic event. As we see, the foundations of the earth were broke open. There's fought in the in the records. There's 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 records of volcanic activity so great that actually most of North America at one time was covered in volcanic ash up to three three feet thick. There was this was a cataclysm, and we have to realize. And the ark was built. You notice how the one researcher showed that the ark could handle waves a hundred feet tall, hundred feet high. That's what it would have took for that ark to survive. This wasn't just rain, 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 where everything just gently lifted. This was cataclysm. And that's why we see in the fossil records where it is not uniformatism, where things are millions of years. It is instantaneously preserved. There's a fossil of a fish eating another fish instantly preserved in, in rock, at this time would have been mud and highly mineralized, mineralized uh, water, which would have e- rapidly fossilized it. It's, it's fossilized right down to the minute cells in these animals. This happened quickly, or it would not have happened at all. So when somebody tells you it takes a million years to make a fossil, it doesn't. Yet, you know, under the right conditions, it can happen very quickly. There's, there's wood. There, there's even on Earth today. We there's there's evidence of uh, rapid fossilization, petrified wood, and um, so the idea of millions of years has to come because it supports evolution. Evolution needs a million, needs millions of years, but God doesn't need millions of years. God can create instantaneously. And this is what the real picture of the rocks reveal. Instantaneous. Even even you look at our museum west of town. It's called the um, the, the Curry, uh, the the Philip J. Curry Museum. But if you read about it, it's actually called the River of Death. Uh, down by Pipestone Creek, there's a a, um, fossil bed there that is one of the densest beds of fossils anywhere on earth. Thousands of fossils are crammed into this. What what would it have took for that? A river to overflow? No, it would have took surges, flood surges from storm surges from this washing these animals into a certain place, losing its momentum, dropping them there instantaneously. It, it, the rocks cry out that this was not built up over millions of years. This was instantaneous. And I would suggest that that instantaneous time was the flood. Another prevalent theory today... They can't get macroevolution, which has changed from one species to another. So they try another way. It's microevolution. And most people you talk to today believe that there's microevolution. An example would be a bacteria becoming resistant to antibiotics. We've all heard the story. They, the antibiotics were invented and bacteria became resistant to it. And so that's a sign that evolution is happening today. But the problem is, is that that is not evolution. That's adaption. And a good example is that they did autopsies on sailors, members of the Franklin Expedition, which they found frozen in the Arctic tundra. It was, a, it was an expedition from the 1840s. They found antibiotic-resistant bacteria in the, intestine, in the intestines of these men, even though antibiotics were not invented for another hundred years after that. See, the thing is is that evolution cannot foresee changes. Evolution cannot do that, but God can. Bacteria does not evolve resistance. The bacteria that had resistance survived and reproduced. The more antibiotics you use, the more, the, the, the more they reproduce the, the bacteria that had resistance to start with. So it looks like bacteria is becoming evolving resistance. That's not it at all. It's, this is programmed into the DNA by God. And it's to adapt to changing conditions which God knew would happen. God has programmed these things into the DNA with um, there's, um, there's dominant and recessive genes all through DNA. And so a recessive gene, all of a sudden when needed, comes to the forefront for survival. And you can see cre- you can see design here. It's not evolution. The last thing I, w- I want to talk about is what about the dinosaurs? Everybody is very confused about dinosaurs, but it's not that confusing. So, would dinosaurs have been on the ark? I believe the answer is yes. And I believe that we can find it in the Bible. In fact, turn to Job chapter 40. Job, as you know, went through hardship, like probably very few people ever have. And... And he had questions. He started to question God. And finally, God had had enough. And in Job 38, God comes to him and he says, who is this who darkens my counsel? But, and then instead of answering Job's questions, he began to ask Job some questions. And we see all through 38 years. were you there when I created the world? Surely, you're intelligent. You must have been. Were you there when I told the ocean stop, no further you come? <clears throat> Job finally, at the end, he said, um, he said, I, "I have no answer. I just lay my hand over my mouth. There's nothing more I can say." And then God shows an interesting thing here. He, and it's in Job forty, beginning in verse, in verse fifteen. He said, now, behold behemoth, which I made as you, or it can be translated, which I made with you. So I made this as an animal. Animals were created on the sixth day of creation with man. This is behemoth. Now, the word for cattle can be behemoth, but this word behemoth is not used anywhere else in Scripture except for this animal and um it, it is used here to describe an animal so strange that they couldn't, they couldn't translate it anything else but leave it as the word behemoth. So let's read it. Behold behemoth, which I have made as you. He eats grass like a ox. Behold, his strength is in his loins, in his power, and his power in his muscles of his belly. He makes his tail. Stiff like cedar, and many translations say he moves his tail as a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are knit together. His bones are tubes of bronze. His limbs are like bars of iron. He is the first of the works of God. Let him who made him bring near his sword. For the mountains yield food for him, where all the wild beasts play. Under the lotus plants he lies. In the shelter of the reeds and in the marsh, for shade, for his shade is the lotus trees that cover him, the willows of the brooks around him. Behold, if the river is turbulent, he is not frightened. He is confident though the Jordan rushes against his mouth. Can, can you take him by the eyes or pierce his nose with a snare with a snare? This describes an animal but only existed in the fossil records. And they didn't even have the fossil records when this was written. This was written to Job, and Job, we see by the language in Job, this is a very ancient book. In fact, it probably even predates Abraham. Job could have lived only a few generations. Abraham lived 10 generations after the flood. So Job could have lived even earlier than that, just seven or eight generations after the flood. And he's talking to him, this animal. He says, behold this animal. So this animal was on earth at this time. So let's look at what this animal is. His tail is like a cedar. There's no other animal that ever existed on earth with a tail like a cedar, other than a dinosaur. There is his bar, his bones or tubes of bronze. Well, to hold that weight, they'd have to be tubes of bronze because the mass of of that, um, uh, it, it says when the river rushes, when it's turbulent, he's not frightened. Even though the Jordan rushes against his mouth, he's not alarmed. Stand in a rushing river to the mouth and not be alarmed. This, just, just, this describes a dinosaur. The only reason that you would say no is because you would say it doesn't fit the theory of evolution because evolution says that dinosaurs weren't alive at the time of, of Job. They weren't alive at the time of the flood. It's, it's just our preconceived notions about evolution is the only reason we would not believe what the words actually say. Then we get to the next one in Job forty-one. He talks about Leviathan, and he's describing a fierce creature that lives in the water. That's got—you um, can read it, but a, it, it talks about armor plates, armor shielding that are that are fixed so tight that they that they can't even. He says uh, in. in um, one thing, it says, you lay your hands on him, you'll, rem- you'll remember the battle and you'll not do it again. So you don't go up against this Leviathan. Who can open the doors of his face? That's uh, Genesis forty-one fourteen. Who can open the doors of his face? Around his teeth is terror. His back is made of rows of shields. Shut up closely as with a seal. No one One is so near the other that no air can come between them. They are joined to one another; they clasp each other and cannot be separated. So he's he's armor plated, and he cannot you do not go against him. But another reason you don't go against him is because what it says in eighteen to twenty one, his sneezings flash forth light. His eyes are like the eyelids of dawn. In others, they'd be bright yellow eyes that you'd see when you looked at them. Out of the mouth go flaming torches. Sparks of fire leap forth. Out of his nostrils comes smoke. as from a boiling pot. He, his breath kindles coals, and flames come forth from his mouth. We look in, in the legends and the... Um, writings of ancient people and many times the right of animals like these like fire breathing dragons is common among the ancient uh, the ancient peoples and we have to think okay well maybe they are based on fact of what the they, of course they've been totally taken out of proportion now and made into mystical creatures but But if we look at here, this animal actually did exist. And he did exist at the time of Job. So I'm just reading the Bible. I didn't write the Bible. I'm just reading it. Really, when it comes down to it, there's a lot of scientific material out there. And I'm not going to dwell anymore on this because you can, if you want, you can go to many, many sites. I'm reading this because it's in the Bible. And next week, probably not next week, but in a few weeks when I give the second sermon, we'll go into the really deeper reasons of the flood, the wickedness, the wrath of God that came, but at the same time, the mercy of God in the in the ark and it's a picture of Christ. So we can give evidence upon evidence and but in the end it's who you trust. Do you trust the word of man or do you trust the word of God? This is what God said in his word This is what God meant in his word. And that's what we preach. That's all we can preach. To those who seek, we just present the truth of the Bible. To those who are hostile to God, no amount of evidence will ever be enough. And here we get into the real issue. This is not an intellectual problem this is a moral problem with man. Man has rejected a creator God because if you have a creator God, you also have a God who's sovereign over his creation. And we have to come under control of this, of this God. And the problem is, is that people will not submit this God so we invent ways of removing God and one of the ways is evolution actually the biggest way is removing evolution it allows people to live their lives with no consequences we evolve from nothing we, there, there's no creator looking over us there's no responsibility on our parts other than what we give ourselves we make ourselves God But I'll tell you right now, that job is taken. There is a God, and there is a God who wrote these things in Scripture. About hostility, we were all hostile at one time to God. It's not like the people in the world are any different than I myself was at one time. All we can do is preach the gospel to people. I had the gospel preached to me several times <clears throat> before I I just finally said, okay, Lord, yeah, I'm yours. And that's what we have to do. It doesn't matter how hostile people are. We have to preach the gospel. We have to love them because God in his spirit gives us the ability to love the unlovable. And that's what it comes down to, because we were unlovable. Maybe we still are. I, I look at myself, and I'm thinking, hmm, I got a lot of work to do. But we preach the gospel as it is written. We look at, um, we look at the ark, just in closing. And we see Noah and his family entered the ark. The door was shut. The wrath of God fell. These people were perfectly protected from the wrath that fell inside the ark. They were comfortable, they were protected, they were saved. And that's a picture, again, of Christ. We need to come to the cross in repentance because we know our state. Really deep down, we know our state. We know we are sinful, We know we are wicked. We know we are not righteous. But God, in his mercy, made a way at the ark and he made a way at the cross. And so if we come in repentance and believe in the name of the Son of God, we're going to be protected from anything that is to come. The judgment against unrighteousness and wickedness that will come in Christ is the only way that people are protected. That's the word of God, and that's what, and that's what we preach. Lord, I just thank you for revealing this to, really, to children. So you know, to babes. Help us to understand these these words just to trust in you. Lord, it's, this world is, is, is hard. This world is unloving. And the reason is is because we've abandoned you. I just pray that we get back to a biblical view of God and that we preach that and we proclaim that because this word is true. This Jesus said that he didn't only say that I tell you the truth. He also said, I am the truth. And Lord, you are the truth. Help us to come to you in repentance. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.